Drops the throw, sets his feet down the left side. He's going for LaVisca Chanel, who cuts inside the defender. And he comes up with a football. Oh, are you kidding me? That is a touchdown. Touchdown, Colorado. By the wide receiver, LaVisca Chanel. And what a way to set the record for Steven Montez. Here comes the blitz. Hit, and it's picked off on a throw over the middle. Caught by Nate Lamon. He runs it up the near side, and he stumbles across the 30-yard line. Tripped up by the quarterback, Eason, and it's a turnover. Montez, under center. They give it off on the end around the LaVisca Chanel, who runs over the top of an offender and discards the defensive player and chucks him aside and works his way down to the 30. That right there came down to a will and a want to. Falls to the ball, takes it chest high. He scans, he looks, here comes a blitz. He is grabbed by Perry, and he's sacked. How about that play by the freshman? Montez is snap, play action, sets to throw. He's going for the home run. Tony Brown is in the end zone, and he makes the grab. End zone, touchdown, touchdown, Colorado. Oh, what a throw. Oh, what a catch by Tony Brown. Welcome in to a special Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern where CU had its signing day celebration this evening. Not a whole lot to report on from this event, but it's it's a chance for people to get together, have a good time, and, and Mel Tucker got up and spoke. Again, nothing groundbreaking, but he has a good presence in front of a crowd. Yeah, and they were playing the videos on all the screens around the bar so you know it was kind of on a constant loop so you you could see all the players and their highlights from their senior years and so that was kind of nice all the assistant coaches were there sort of mingling yeah in a group i should mention that voice you're hearing is none other than william gardner football analyst on buffstampede.com we're going to be joined by chase howell on the podcast we're going to be joined by tyler ziskin who just walked in the room even Chris Fusilay, the owner of this fine establishment, I think is going to join me for a few minutes. Another, so, another good buff. Another good buff. Awesome that he you know, continues to open up his house, for lack of a better term, right. to, to see you events. Well, he was telling us tonight that uh, this thing came about because the, they called him to come down here. Yeah. So Colorado finishes ranked 35th in the country, 7th in the Pac-12. If you're not a CU fan that's had to live through some of the recent struggles this program has had, you go seventh, ho-hum. But even after that 2016 season when they won 10 games, they weren't able to pull in a a class that was as good as this class on paper. It's the best since they joined the Pac-12. Again, on paper, we'll see how these guys perform when they get on campus. But that's 2011 now they've been in the conference, so that's a, a pretty decent sample size. Uh, and, and this is the best class they put together. And it's really a very balanced class. It covers every need. It covers every position. It has some real superstars in it, uh, some really difference makers and game breakers types of guys on both sides of the ball. And so, uh, I don't know, if, you, if like we were just talking to somebody here tonight, he's only been around CU football since, what, 2015 or something. So in the last decade, this is the best class we've had. So nobody thinks that this is the high point that we're looking for but for the first full recruiting season coming off three consecutive five win seasons it's pretty solid yeah and you know they say you gotta crawl before you can walk you gotta walk before you can run i don't even think this is a crawling situation this is a this is a class that gets you in the bowl games you talk about 35th nationally you know they're 
a majority of college football teams are getting in bowl games. It hasn't right. been CU uh, one in the last 12 years. But, again, these are the type of classes that you kind of build on, and then you take that next step. Like Mel Tucker said, hey, I'm not into self-imposed limitations. If you can't recruit to Boulder, you can't recruit to anywhere. You can sell the newness of the staff right now. But long-term, you're going to have to have wins to follow that up. Yeah, have to have results on the field. You know, the other thing, though, is that it takes time to really develop develop relationships with a lot of kids. And, and recruiting starts with kids anymore, freshman, sophomore year. And so now, going into the next year, the kids that they'll be looking at are guys that they've made, in many instances, have been talking to for a couple of years now. And they'll have the relationship with the uh, football coaches at the high schools and what have you. And... Uh, I just think the longer you have a staff together that's good at recruiting, the easier it gets, the more streamlined it gets. You think back a year ago today and or a year ago uh, before the first class they were signing, there was so much going on there trying to put a staff together and just yeah. getting to know each other, uh, finding a place to live, things like that. And, and so the more consistency they have in the staff, the, the easier it is going forward, I think. And you look at this class and you think, well, coming off a five-win season, they did pretty good. If they get six or seven wins and go to a bowl game, I'm really excited to see what they do. Obviously, there was some suspense leading in today. Big news with Ashad Clayton sticking with CU. What does that tell you about this staff? You know you have a floor to come in, offer him late. This is a guy that had some other options as well. Uh, does it tell you anything long-term about this staff and their ability to go, go head-to-head with some of those SEC programs? Well, I think it says very good things. I think also... In two classes here, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure that they've lost anybody that they really had on board that committed, and, and um, they parted ways mutually in a couple of instances. But you take a guy like this who was really recruited by a lot of people all around the country and, and taken it down to the wire. And I saw the comment today that Clayton made about being in Boulder and then being in Gainesville, and the energy was so much different, and there was so much more energy and, and a feel of family and excitement here in Boulder, which uh, I, I says a lot of great things to me about what this staff is doing up here, that they can generate that kind of excitement coming off of a five-win season. And you look ahead to 2021 recruiting, three in-state commits already. I was asked recently on a radio interview, are they building a wall around the state? And it made me almost want to kind of laugh because I don't know if – CU's ever going to truly build a wall around the state, especially given the transient nature of its population. But you do notice a little bit of a change in perception with some of these in-state recruits. Like a Trey Zoon, he had, I think, connections to Texas A&M. He never really seemed interested. There's always right. going to be some in-state guys that go elsewhere. Well, but you know, when, when, when Bill McCartney was top ten in the country, Scott Lockwood and Tony Baselli both left Fairview to go to, to Southern Cal, so... Even when we were as good as you as you can be in college football, some in-state guys just didn't want to stay here. But I think a big part of this is the swag factor that Mel Tucker has, for lack of a better word. It's cool now to go up right. to see you right. and go to the Stanford game or the Washington game, go in the locker room as a recruit afterwards and see Mel Tucker up there dancing, right. getting right. the players fired up. You know, Mike McIntyre did a lot of good things at CU, but he was never viewed as, as a cool guy by 17-, 18-year-old recruits. Well, I know you saw, I think you posted the, the tweet with uh, Mel Tucker calling Ashad Clayton today. Yeah. And I watched that a couple of times, and I thought, 
this guy really gets it. He really connects with these kids, and it's and it's not phony, and it's not BS. It's it's real, and it was a relationship. And the last thing he said was, "I love you. Can't wait to get you up here." And you didn't feel like it was just you know lip service or used car salesman. He had a relationship with that kid. And that kid wanted to come be part of what he was doing here. And I think that's that's the big difference is that he is able to sell his vision. And like you said, he's got to have some results now. But, uh, man, it makes you wonder what's going to happen with seven wins, eight wins. Yeah. And I heard Mel Tucker and Corday Hankton on the staff work their tails off to get a shot Clayton on board. I think every head coach who works hard at recruiting, Mel Tucker seems on some level to genuinely enjoy it. Right. And that that's a thing, you know, you go back to the Bill McCartney era, Bill McCartney era, and Coach Mack loved to go into uh, people, the kids' homes and meet the families and eat dinner and just get to know them and have a relationship. And the great recruiters are like that and they really enjoy what they're doing. Um, well, kind of to, to Shot Clayton's point of there's no fake love, there's no... You know, it's genuine recruiting, I think, and that comes that comes across to right. recruits and parents. Well, and I think, you know, you look at the last staff, and there's just no way that anybody can deny that some of the guys on that staff were not working very hard at recruiting. And it strikes me that every every guy on this staff, and, I don't, and as I think about it, as, as it comes out of my mouth, I think not just the assistant coaches, but everybody up in that building is working their tail off and recruiting all the time, and it really shows. There was the early signing period where a bunch of guys signed, uh, just three today announced. Before I let you you head home here, William, we'll get some other guys on the podcast here. Who are the main guys that, that really excite you about this class? And it doesn't necessarily have to be the highest rated, just certain guys that really stood out to you. We had the highlights here at this celebration playing on a loop. Uh, any, any guys that, that really excite you about the future? Well, uh, Jason Harris is, is, you know, I was went in part of the team and part of the program when Alfred Williams came in and Alfred Williams was a guy who was an immediate program changer because you put a guy like that on the outside and all of a sudden you change the character of your defense and Jason Harris is that guy so far as what I can see uh, with with his length and his athleticism I, 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 I don't mean to talk crazy but I could see him getting significant sacks I could see him getting significant sacks as a true freshman. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, be a he does guy. have a little bit. He reminds me a little bit of Jimmy Gilbert. Now he comes in way more star studded than Jimmy Gilbert right. did, but having more, uh, that basketball past right. and, and I, I'm, it might take a little time to develop him here. But to your point, and, and even the staff has said his skill set is just something they didn't have on right. this team. You take Jimmy Gilbert off that 2016 team, right? What are they a seven win team? Right. Exactly. If that, I mean, and, that, that and, he was the biggest difference maker on that team that probably doesn't get as much praise as he should. And and being a natural pass rusher is one of those skills where you can play a guy from day one, even if he's not big enough to stand in there and play against the run in your obvious passing situations. You can put him out there and really not have him be a liability to you. You're not going to play him uh, first and ten, you know, down where it's a, a running down or against Washington or something like that. But in situational uh, use, he's a guy that can really come in and be a weapon in the pass rush. So he's the first one that I, I kind of wake up in the morning and keep thinking about. And then... Um, Jordan Berry is another one. Well, uh, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about Alfano as part of the class, but you bring a guy like that in, and we don't know if he's going to be able to play next year, 
but boy, I can't wait to see what he does in spring to see if he lives up to that hype. You ready for a fun exercise here? You brought up Alfano. He was the number one ranked recruit by 24-7 Sports in 2019, of course. Unless you're living under a rock, you've you've heard that a few times here. I'm going to pull up who the top recruit was this year. Bryce Young from Modern Day in California was the number one ranked recruit. There's a cool tool on on buffstampede.com, the the class calculator. If I put him in there, that would put Colorado right around 25 if you included Alfano right. in there, and it would be number the number five class in, in the Pac-12. Right, which, you know, so to some extent you take the, the rankings a little bit subjectively because at the end of the day, did you make your team better, and did you make your team better in relation to the teams you're going to play the most? And I think you can absolutely say yes um, in this particular context. I mean, And then I think we made ourselves stronger in a lot of positions. You know, we, we brought in offensive linemen who are big-time offensive linemen in, in Jake Ray and Carson Lee. Uh, Ashad Clayton is, is an, as exciting a running back as we've brought in in a long time. Um, Lewis is a, is a tremendous quarterback prospect and, and I like the fact that we got several of these guys on campus now in the strength program going through spring ball and going to have a real head start you know Devin Grant could be a real surprise at, at outside linebacker it, it's it, there's a lot of excitement uh, Caleb Fourier I mean some somebody young is going to have to play at that uh, tight end position and he's got a skill set like we haven't seen here at tight end in a long time and then you look at all the kids well I still think uh, Lamonius Craig is one of the most exciting recruits to me, and okay, he gets a shot at receiver, but in my mind, I still watch, I still see his highlights as a safety, and he was phenomenal. And they're going to need some right. people that are projected at other positions. Right, because right, everybody right now is either a quarterback, cornerback, or a receiver. And you know what, fellas, some of you are going to wind up playing safety, and guess what? It's going to work great for you. Yeah. Well, William, I appreciate you coming out here. We've got a lot more we're going to touch on. Yeah. Spring ball's coming around the corner. We're just going to talk recruiting at this point yeah. because we've got time to preview spring ball coming up here before we actually uh, get up to that date. So right now, I'll let you sign off. We'll get Tyler and Jason here. But I really appreciate you for coming down here and, and jumping on. We've got to get some Buff Stampede film rooms up, though. Yeah, I, gotta, I always really enjoy putting those together. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. We've got a lot of guys to look at, and we've got a whole new season to start up now. And uh, Let's get doing it. Let's get after it. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks William. Adam. All right, we are joined now by fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin. Tyler, it's been a minute. Yeah, you know, I feel like we say that every time we do this podcast. <laughs> it's so sad. Life gets in the if way. If only we were neighbors, we'd be know, podding right? every night. And Yeah. And, I mean, but, I will say it's always my fault. So I know people sometimes get on you guys. That's not about, That's not necessarily true. It's pretty much true. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, oh, I haven't heard from Adam in a while, but that's probably good because he'd be mad at me all the times <laughs> that I would say I can't do this. So the Blake Street Tavern, where you work, Tyler, put on this event tonight. Yeah. How'd it go? I, I, it looked like a great turnout. Yeah. I mean, obviously a big crowd. So from our perspective, that's always nice. Um, I was a little worried about it because it's, it's a different setting than the banquets yeah. we've done in the past. You know, not quite as convenient maybe for the customers. I'll be curious to see what people have to say. 
I hope there's honest feedback about it. Um, I know it's you know you're not right up there being able to physically watch Mel, you know yeah. sometimes, which is tough because you know it's a restaurant. It's not a wide open room. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I hope. I know are. this wasn't your call. I, I, the one thing I did really like about the old luncheon is that you'd get the assistant coaches up there and they kind of right. share stories from the road. Yeah. That was always fun for fans. Mel Tucker does has a great presence in front of crowds, and again, that's not your call, but yeah. that's something that I think adds great value to these type of events. Absolutely, and I, it's one of the concerns that I had. It's not just it's it's personal because they're up close with you. But, yeah, I mean, not getting the assistant coaches on the mics is tough or they're not really walking around telling stories. It did yeah. seem like it, everyone was saying they were coming, going around and talking to individual Oh, yeah, they were, they were going around, yeah. So that's nice, and you want yeah. to see that. But, yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we're the venue. We don't really tell them how they want to run right, their event. Right. But, yeah, I think I hope we'll see if they like it. We tried to do this last year. It got blizzarded out. Uh, this year we were pretty close as well, one day off. So yeah. that was nice. But uh, we got it in this year, and – they asked us to do it and they came to us and that was really an honor it was exciting to be a part of it so hopefully people thought that it was worth it Ashad Clayton William Anglin Jaylee Stacks officially buffs what are your thoughts on how they finished this recruiting class out and and just you know 7th in the Pac-12 like I talked with William about it's not going to excite that fringe CU fan but the diehards that have been through there and have followed these recruiting classes can appreciate how this is different yeah and listen I think we're 35th yeah right now which is seventh in the pac 12 it doesn't those numbers aren't going to like jump out of you as holy cow we're we're competing for national titles now but i don't think that should be the goal it's that's not realistic you have to kind of take it one step at a time and honestly i think this class is underrated even at that point there's a lot of guys in this class that are going to improve this roster from the moment they get on the field and that's what you're looking for and every class should be like that going forward so next class, we're going to expect a little bit more. Although it's a small class, right, the next one. So it's going to be Rankings tough. might be a little bit tougher. Yeah. You know, the, the way these things work out, though, yeah. we'll be sitting here a year from now, and they will have signed 23 kids. Yeah. It just it it seems like it does work that It's, you know, you have to build on it. And, of course, winning is a big part of that. They have to find a way to win some games. The schedule is tough again next year. So they're going to be up against it. But I think there's no doubt you look up in town this class and there's not as many, wow, that's a questionable kid. We'll see how that shakes out. There's definitely a lot of guys that you know are going to be in the two deep next year. Maybe not a ton of starters, which is probably what you want long term. You don't want a bunch of freshmen starting for your team if you want to start competing for titles. But you definitely do want guys in the two deep. You know, if you have that much talent coming in and immediately ready to play, you're recruiting the right type of kids. I don't know if you get a chance to see the preview video Chase and I put together today, but I went back and looked at the numbers. This first full class from Mel Tucker, if you take all the guys that sign with them and you take away the CU offer, they had 181 other Power 5 offers as a group. Yeah. I went then back to 2014, Mike McIntyre's first full class, and it, I didn't have to do a whole lot of counting. I, I could have almost done it on both hands because it was only 11. Wow. I knew there was going to be a big difference. That's crazy. I, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's more than I would have said. I mean, it, it, it does mean You knew it was going to be drastic, but... Right. Yeah, you don't, all the offers don't always come out sometimes, but there's definitely not a 180 offer difference you know what i mean like yeah some kids you don't they commit early and they'd have more offers but yeah. there's no way you could make an argument other than holy cow that's a lot of more talent yeah than we've seen here in a while for sure uh, yeah it's not a hundred percent like ashad clayton has an lsu offer listed when he hurt his knee right. they stopped but i counted shea field's usc offer on that 11 uh-huh. and yeah. they ghosted him yeah, absolutely yeah no I, I fully understand 
And, you know, with a shot, obviously, very you don't have to watch the film for long <laughs> to realize that he's a yeah. very special talent. Uh, me, personally, because I'm me, recruiting kids out of Louisiana is always a bit sketchy. I, I need to see that work out before I get too hyped about a guy like that because in years past it's just seemed really difficult for those kids to assimilate to Colorado. Could it be um, different under Mel Tucker? Yeah, you would like to think so, and it's part of the reason that we wanted a guy like Mel Tucker in this program, someone that kids can relate to a little bit more. You know, that has been through the grind and lived a life and went to a place, you know, like Wisconsin, a similar type setup, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not a lot of kids are going there from Louisiana either, probably, I would expect. Yeah. I mean, he's not from Louisiana, but, you know, yeah. it's it's one of those things that we need to see it happen, but if it does, we're going to have a lot of success. And I'll say the same thing about William England. It's not necessarily about William England. But getting into Cleveland, I know I'm biased here because that's where I'm from, but there are ballers in Ohio that want to go experience new things. Just like Colorado where kids want to go somewhere else, Ohio is that way too. If you don't want to go to Ohio State, there's a lot of kids that will come out to Colorado. There's a ton of people out here from the Midwest. Yeah. ton in all sorts of sports. I said this about Michigan last year. We need to get into Michigan more as well. Ohio could be really, really good for this program. Huge. So to see, especially Glenville, which is where Liam England's front, is a powerhouse. You want to you want to get your your hooks into those type of programs because it can really help us. William England is one of, I believe, four guys in this class that didn't have another Power Five offer. Obviously, Cincinnati's won a lot of games, and that's right. his other finalist. But you turn on his film; that is an athlete. And, and Chase and I were talking in our video of him. Is had he played defensive back? And focused on that instead of quarterback, I think his recruitment is a totally different right. story. He's a big body, and this, this is just what Ohio is. There's 50 dudes in every class. That Ohio State can't take everyone. Michigan, Michigan State can't take everyone. Penn State can't take everyone. That's why in the, the MAC is fun to watch for a reason every single year when you're watching their games. The MAC has dudes going to the NFL repeatedly every single year. It's an underrated league. There's dudes that should be playing Power Five football on every single MAC team. Period. So, I mean, if you can get some of those guys, I know you don't want to get Mac talent or whatever. Right. But there's dudes that get, you know, that fall between the cracks in Ohio repeatedly that we can definitely make make headway on. You can even go back to the early signing period, or, and I think you'll have to because we've kind of talked about the two new guys, but any other standouts in this class? Maybe it doesn't even necessarily have to be the top-rated guys. Are there certain guys that you just kind of have a feeling about? I mean, Brendan Rice. I, the way that he's developed this year, for sure, um, I'm not going to say he's going to be LaVisca Chenault because that's unfair, but I remember watching LaVisca Chenault's film when he signed, or before he signed, really, and he was a three-star, and me and you were looking at each other like, do my eyes not work? Like, yeah. What am I missing here? This is He's blatantly good enough to play just about anywhere, and I know he's developed he had a big senior season compared to starting off pretty slow, but he, he gives me that same vibe. I mean, he's a huge body not NFL ready yet obviously he's young but I mean he's going to be a physical receiver he's tall he can go get those jump balls he's going to be a problem in the back 12 I'll be shocked if he doesn't have big numbers at Colorado for sure so that's the big one for me I think Brandon Lewis obviously is the highlight he's already on campus can't wait to watch him Um, a guy that could you know not to put a lot of pressure on him but he could change the program and if he's ready to go and he's an NFL ready guy this program will take off quick um, so I think those are those opportunities. And from the rest of the class, I just think you have to be impressed by how solid everyone is. He's not necessarily recruiting positions, especially on defense. Like I think we're going to see a lot of these guys end up somewhere else on the field, but he's recruiting speed and athletes, uh, big bodies, and you know we're, it's going to be we're going to have a fast defense in a couple of years, which is going to be fun. What are your expectations for CU recruiting going into 2021? I know they have three verbal commits already. 
would you take another seventh place finish in the Pac-12 a year from now? Yeah, or I think seventh is pretty solid. I mean, there's we talk about this a lot. There's some programs that you're just not going to pass. Um, so you Except have to be every once in a while, you can pass USC, which I never thought right, I'd but, see. They finished ahead of USC. Yeah, that's, that's we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. I don't think that's going to be <laughs> a consistent thing. Though. I mean, like that's no, an aberration. No, no. That's an aberration. So consistently, you want to be amongst that middle tier in the pack. And I don't think we're ever going to fully get the level of respect from the sites and from other coaches that you know, that we're that we're going to need to get the top three or four guys until we start competing for titles. Yeah. So you know it's hard when you're in Colorado. You're not in California. You're not. You can't just go ten miles and find fifty kids that are four stars like some programs can. So it's going to be a little difficult in that regard. Obviously, we're going to sign less kids as it stands today, right now, next year. So I, I don't think the total recruiting rankings are going to matter much. But what you do want to see is the average star rating per kid you want to see that jump up yeah. that average RR rating I think I'd have to see how we finished that I think it was like 85.7 or something like that if you could get that up into the 87 range next year you're going to get a lot of really really solid guys to fill in what is already going to be a pretty good roster it is a challenge to stay patient I think now because the process has gotten so accelerated yeah Maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. At the same time, though, you want to make your own evaluations, and they did with Braylon yeah. Nelson, you know, an in-state kid that didn't have a rating, and they saw his film and projected him as a high three-star, four-star guy. And, you know, I get you can't just then go, okay, well, he's not rated on 24-7 sports, so we shouldn't offer him. That's the recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, in my spot, <laughs> it right. helps when they get those higher-rated kids. Absolutely. Of course it does. I will say – and I've said this repeatedly, lineman is the hardest of all to project. It seems like a lot of our two stars have turned out to be excellent. Most of our higher-ranked guys have been, like, not really useful at the college level from the lineman position, so I try not to look too hard into that. I think the staff has proven they know how to get big, nasty guys. Our, the, the D lineman recruits that we got last year as freshmen, some of those were pretty underrated. All of them looked good this year on the field. And some of these young offensive linemen that they have sent, first of all, the line was way better this year, there's no doubt, with guys that they didn't recruit themselves. So I, I think I have to give them the benefit of the doubt until they prove me wrong. What is going on at USC? You don't have the family ties yeah, I don't. in the program now like you did previously, but I yeah. mean, Clay Held and everybody assumes he's a dead man walking. Uh, it's it's unacceptable for USC to have a class that ranks tenth in the conference. Absolutely, and I think I think you said it though. I think he is a dead man walking, and kids know that. They're in California. This is a different world. Social media is everywhere. They don't need to go to LA to play. They can play anywhere. They can go to the SEC schools. They can go to Ohio State. They can go to Texas. They can do all that stuff and still get more, even more exposure, honestly, than what they could in a Pac-12 school. So they're not, you know, if USC's not getting it done, they're not going to just go there because it's home. You know, at the end of the day, these kids want success, and I think they see the writing on the wall. I mean, even if Clay Helton has a monster year, it's going to go right back to where it was at some point. Like he's he's not turning this thing around for a long period of time. So why would you go there right now? Yeah. Well, you've had a long day here at the Blake Street Tavern. We'll, we'll let you go in a minute, but we got to get a few basketball thoughts from you. How, how angry are you when you get on Twitter and you start oh, going man. after CU fans? Yeah, I got to say the board's worse. <laughs> the board's worse than Twitter, man. It's, I, don't, I don't know what to say at this point anymore. Like, why are y'all so mad all the time? Why can't you just have a good time? <laughs> we are ranked in the top 25 in the country. Tad's been under 500 once. The football program's been above 500 like three times since I started being a fan. Like, why can't you just enjoy it? 
There's there's not as many people in the seats as there should be. All everyone ever focuses on is, oh, we, we didn't score for five minutes. What an embarrassment to the country. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just don't think people watch other college basketball games. I think people put on – this is how I explained it to somebody else offline the other day. I think people watch LeBron just, you know, because I'm a LeBron guy, so this is what I talked about, and then they watch the – well, just the NBA in it's, general. That's what that's what yeah, I'm saying. Like yeah. large scale, they go watch the NBA. Those, I don't think people understand how ridiculous those guys are. Like the top ten college basketball players in the country this year, two of those guys will be remotely relevant at the NBA level. Maybe it's just next level how talented those people are. I just don't think people understand. It's a different game, and it's frustrating to watch the NBA sometimes because they don't care until it matters. But the talent level is just an entirely different planet. You know, like every single college team in the country struggles to score at times. We're, I think, 58th in the country in adjusted efficiency offense right now. So there's over 300 teams worse than us. In conference play, we're the number one team in the Pac-12 on offense. And all you hear from everyone is how bad this team is in offense, even though they're 17 and five ranked and uh, yeah, 51st. Chase says over here. So there you go, even better. You know, like it's. <laughs> They're going to go to the tournament this year. They could pretty much lose every game the rest of the way, which, of course, then people can be mad. But they're going to go to the first time in four years. Enjoy that. You know, maybe they don't make the Sweet 16. Maybe they don't make the Elite Eight. But it's a step in the right direction, and this is arguably the best team we've seen under Tech. So why can't we just have a good time and watch it? You would give Joe Lenardi a run for his money. you got your spreadsheets at home. Have you been... Pumping data into that that bad boy. I, oh yeah, I'm, I, this is the, the earliest I've had all the teams in, so I've been getting after it pretty hard. I have not looked at it in three days, but uh, it's, so what, it's what gross is what seed do you have? See right now, the, the, their second six seed for me in my last update. But okay. we'll, have to, we'll have to look at it and see. So I think we talked. I talked with Chase about this on Twitter. He's like somehow they're ranked twenty fourth. I'm like yeah, because everybody above them has basically the same resume or better and anything from that four line to like the second seven seed is really tight okay so there's a lot of teams who have accomplished some pretty good things in that window so don't get too a the rankings don't matter at all when it comes to where we get seeded so don't stress on it too much those guys don't watch a ton of basketball they see the results you know they say oh they lost to ucla on the road not great. Let's drop them in the rankings. That's as far as it goes. You know, no one really goes into, well, what does that UCLA loss mean? You know, is it? Was it on the road? Does it matter? Oh, they also beat USC. Pretty good. That's a huge win. No, they're like, yeah, UCLA lost. We got to drop them. That's yeah. really as simple as it goes. Well, Tyler, thanks again for joining us on here. We got to get together before spring ball starts and, and do a, yep. a full preview. Appreciate you. Of course, man. Glad to be back. Go Buffs. Come to the game, boys. Okay? Let's watch some Tad basketball. It's going to be great. Cheer when things go well. It'll be good. <laughs> and with that, Tyler will step off his soapbox. All right, baby. Here at the Blake Street Tavern with the owner, Chris Fusilet. You guys put on a great event here tonight, a celebration on signing day. How'd you feel like the, the whole event went for you guys? Oh, uh, thanks, Adam. It was awesome event. It was so cool to... The host Buff Nation, Coach Tucker, his assistants, the Buff Club, CU Young alums, uh, Bus for Life, uh, who else am I missing? Alumni C Club. I mean, it was just such a great gathering of 700 plus Buff fans and all united. And it was encouraging to think that you could get 700 people in one building 
on a, on a, on a cold Wednesday night in February. <laughs> what was your takeaway from Mel Tucker's message to, to the crowd here tonight? Did you get a chance to hone in on what he was talking about? I'll be honest with you. I was... Uh, busy doing some stuff in the other part of the room so I didn't get yeah, you, you got a you got a business to but, run here but uh, you know I did get a chance I was in LA last weekend and I got to go to a CU donor event out there where Mel spoke and it was a group of 25 of us and it was just awesome I mean just you, you can just see that the nature of college football is all about recruiting and you can see how he resonates with the recruits and why, you know, we've had our best class. And, um, but you can tell me how many years, but uh, it's pretty awesome. Well, it's definitely the best class on paper since joining the conference, which uh, is a step forward from what they've done. And I've shared this a couple times on the podcast. If you look at the guys in this recruiting class, 181 other Power 5 offers in this class. Mike McIntyre's first full class, 11. Yeah, you know, um, I think that speaks volumes. You know, when you hear that, this kid chose CU over Florida. This kid chose, you know, uh, us over LSU. Uh, this kid, I mean, that's what's so gratifying is that, you know, it's it's not the days where it's like, this kid chose us over San Jose State. Yeah. You know, it's you know you're playing with the big boys, and I, I have to assume that I'm sure we have to have res- we have to start getting results next year. I mean, five and seven is you know. And an and, and incomplete grade. It's hard to judge in the first year, but you know we got to get to a bowl game next year. And if you make it to a bowl game, then or appear that way, then I think we're going to get more and more better players. And there's no bigger CU men's basketball fan out there than you. <laughs> a lot of exciting things happening up in Boulder right now, and, and you're have the opportunity to go on some of these road trips. What is this team capable here down the stretch? You know, I, I think what's what's really great is that for the first time in four years, we will be going to the tournament. I mean, we're we're a lock for the tournament now. Now we got to play for seeding, and I think what's really gratifying when um, you get to travel with the basketball team and go to their games, and is you really see the closeness of the team. They all love one another. There's no cancers on this team. And in the past, you might say, well, this player is a problem. That player is a problem. I think, I mean, it's one thing to be very talented, but you got to like each other. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that the team really likes each other. And last week when I was in L.A., I mean, that was a real bummer when we lost to UCLA. And um, I'm walking back to the hotel with Rick George, and, you know, we're, you know, we're in all in foul moods about what happened. That's a game we should have won. And, and then, you're, then all the pressure's on, like, geez, you know, how are we going to beat USC? And for us to come out like we did against USC dominate them from start to finish that 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 was probably the most complete basketball game we played all year so I, I'm really encouraged you know that uh, you know we come back we, we we hold serve against these home with these home games against Stanford and Cal we go back on the road next week Oregon's going to be very tough that's a payback game you know for them but you know I'm not saying we beat Oregon but if we we, we have a payback game against Oregon State so if we win that game, you know, you, you got to win these home games and at least split on the road. Chris, thanks so much for playing host tonight. Thanks for letting us set up and do our podcast here. And obviously, CU fans out there listening know where to go if you can't get to the game yourself and, and want to support the Buffs, the Blake Street Tavern. It's been uh, kind of the second home for, for CU Athletics for quite a while. Really appreciate well, you. Well, thanks, Adam. Keep doing the good work you're doing because uh, I get half my knowledge about CU from you. So I, I appreciate all you do, and you, you guys crushed it with all your recruiting coverage. 
So really uh, outstanding job and give yourself a big pat on the back. So thanks, Chris. Thanks Appreciate it. Mr. Chase Howell, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. You want me to have some hot basketball takes or did Tyler? Let's save that for the end. Let's let's do the football recruiting stuff and then uh, we can transition over there. General thoughts. We we did our preview video today. We did a couple videos. People know a lot of our thoughts, so we won't hash over a lot of that same stuff. But what are your thoughts on this class overall now that we've seen it uh, complete? Yeah, and a a lot of it happened in December. But the the key thing about uh, December when we were talking in uh, early signing period they didn't have Jason Harris and Shaq Clayton locked in um, at that time, and now that those two are locked in, I think we were we were talking about uh, what type of grade we would give uh, this recruiting class, and I think we had it somewhere around like B plus, B, and I think we said if they get Jason Harris and Shaq Clayton, that it might jump into A minus A territory. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's really really good because they did end up getting both of those guys, and when now that they have those two locked in, they have a bunch of guys that i think can play early and that's probably the most important part about this class i just think they have a bunch of guys that are going to come in and compete right away and i think they did a really good job overall with this class and getting guys at key positions most importantly to your point you kind of have to grade on a curve right Mm -hmm. oh when you're when you're valuing this class again i mentioned this early in the podcast a casual observer living in denver that maybe he'll go to one cu game every three years He'll look at that and go, ho-hum, seventh in the Pac-12. What, what am, why am I going to get excited? But if you've really seen the the lack of recruiting battles they've had with a lot of these kids in, in previous years, that's why the diehards are, are so energized. Right, and I, I guess seventh might look kind of bad, but there are a lot of teams in the middle of the Pac-12 from four to eight, eight or nine um, that are all about the same. And so I, I don't think there's that much of a discrepancy, and it all kind of comes down to uh, how these players were ended up being rated um, once we got to January, and some guys get bumped, some guys don't, and I think obviously that's a very um, discussed topic amongst our board members, but um, I think you can look at 7th and think that that's kind of a victory, especially with what they've been able to do in the Pac-12 so far. They've never been there. The highest they finished was number 8, and um, that was in 2016 when obviously they won the Pac-12 South, so this... This is very, very good. I, I think as a first full cycle, what they're able to do, pull in some really good four stars, as well as some guys that should be four stars or at least fringe four stars in Brendan Rice, Brendan Lewis, and uh, obviously Jake Ray, the Georgia guy. So I feel like they have a lot of really, really good talent at the top end. And then they filled in the back end um, with some flyers, maybe Gerard Lichtenhan, but that's a guy that has a really high ceiling. Um, Jay Lee Stacks is a guy that obviously I love that I think is going to play a lot early. Um, I think they're going to be able to utilize him in a lot of different ways. So I think they filled in this class with a lot of really good talent at the top and then guys that will be able to contribute early at the bottom um, and maybe a couple flyers that we'll, we'll see if they can reach their ceiling. Ashad Clayton, because CU's focus was on two guys after that early signing period, there was so much focus was on him, and and he had fun. I hope he was having fun on social media. It seemed, seemed like, like it. it. Yeah, it seemed like it. <laughs> we were joking. We're, we're both going to miss those daily Ashad Clayton threads. Scale of one to ten, how much are you going to miss those? Um, on a scale of one to ten, maybe a nine. But I think the, the best way to tell you um, how much I'm going to miss it is I still haven't turned off his uh, notifi- his Twitter <laughs> notifications yet. And I think when I hit that button, it's going to be a little bit of a of a sad moment for me because I did enjoy the times and and I, the most the thing that I enjoyed the most about those times was he would delete things 
maybe two minutes after he tweeted A majority it. of his tweets, it seemed. <laughs> right. So I had to turn the notifications on because I had to see those immediately because I knew that they'd get deleted afterwards. I just I love recruiting battles. That's one of the, I think, most fun parts about uh college football maybe even in general i've always loved recruiting um ever since i was little i used to play hooky for signing day <laughs> and um, so i've always loved that type of stuff and i think the drama just adds so much more to it sports doesn't have enough drama i think we get some of it in free agency um in the in the pro and all that we can get in college sports is recruiting we got it this time Mel Tucker would have preferred for Rashad Clayton to sign on December 18th. There's no question about it. And a lot of Bucs fans probably, too. Yeah. He was on a conference call with, with some of us local media today, and he said, look, coming from the SEC, I'm used to these battles. I don't know if fun is the word I would use for him in that situation, but it doesn't stress him out. And, and that's, that's important, I think, to be able to win those battles is to be able to keep your cool and not – panic and, and we heard from Ashad Clayton that there's no fake love at CU and you don't have to put on a front and, and there's kind of a genuine quality it seems like the staff has and it's helped them with certain guys like Clayton yeah I, I think the biggest one of the things about um, being a football coach being a college football coach is you kind of have to embrace that the, yeah. one of your biggest jobs is to be able to recruit and so you kind of have to embrace that if you're going to go after the big time players the Ashad Clayton's the guys that you're going to be battling with i think that's kind of one of the best parts of the job i know you don't enjoy going through those battles of course you want them to be fully committed um to see you but if you want to be a college football coach you're going to have to go through those battles unless you just don't want the best prospects out there and if you're going to be flying around the the country being on a private jet's not a bad way to go <laughs> not bad at all <laughs> just looking at this class overall i've been asking everybody that's been on the pod tonight which guys? It doesn't necessarily have to be the top-rated guy. Do you have just kind of that gut feeling when you watch their film or just kind of looking at their story and, and you feel like that's a guy that's going to have a big impact at CU? I'm not sure if there's one right off the top of my head. I, I know there's probably a lot that people have mentioned. Brendan Lewis, maybe Jason Harris, Shot Clayton. Um, probably those are the three that they've been mentioned. Yeah. Might, might jump out at you. I, I'd rather pick someone um, that's a little bit more under the radar um, obviously, Carson Lee, I think so, because I think he's going to be end up being a captain here at CU. Besides that, I, I'd like to find maybe a more lower-rated recruit. I think everybody you know, I'll knows. I'll throw a name out there real quick. Chris Carpenter. Okay, yeah. That I dude know has him wheels. Yeah. And he initially came on board as a cornerback, and he wanted to play receiver in college, almost decommitted at one point, and the staff said, look, we really want you. If you want to come in and be a receiver, you can be a receiver. And we know Mel Tucker doesn't change – have guys change their position unless they're willing to, but whether it's on defense or it is as a receiver, as, as a guy that can stretch the field, that guy I just have a, have a feeling about. Or even in the return game, I think that's a guy Absolutely. that could be a very good punt returner or kick returner. Um, yeah, a very interesting guy. It's um, I don't think CU's had a very good slot receiver in a while. I know, obviously, Katie Nixon, Dimitri Stanley maybe a little bit, but none of those guys have been that dominant. Jay McIntyre... Um, Devin Ross, maybe, but uh, I think that we're entering a little bit of an of I guess you want to call it an era where I think they're going to have some dominant uh, slot receivers. You've got Katie Nixon who might play a little bit of that role this year. Jalen Jackson, Dimitri Stanley, and then behind them, I think you got a lot of guys. Chris Carpenter, um, and then maybe even Chase Penry in this 2021 class. I think you got a lot of guys um, that can be dominant slot receivers. It'll be interesting how that uh, depth chart sort of ends up breaking down. But I think there's a lot of guys there. 
I'm anxious to see where Keith Miller fits in. Yeah. Brendan Lewis has got a college-ready frame, and Keith Miller definitely does. <laughs> Keith Miller, he, he wants to play basketball. That man can hoop. He, he's a walking bucket. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, what he's able to do. But um, I think he's definitely a weapon in the red zone. I think if you um, are able to utilize – and I think a lot of guys in this class – are like this that if you're able to utilize them best to their skill set um, i think you'll be able to get the best out of them and keith miller is a guy that i think you could use a ton in the red zone um as one of those big receivers that you can just throw the ball up to i know one of his best highlights is that one-handed catch um, yeah. and it kind of plays over in my head when i think about keith miller because that's the type of um, plays that you want him to be able to make is throwing it up to a guy in the red zone and i think they found one in keith a lot of guys have been mentioned as guys that could come in and make an impact one guy that hasn't been brought up a lot that might have a chance at safety is Jalen Stryker coming in from the JUCO ranks. He's a bigger type guy. They're going to need some corners to move over to safety. Just kind of looking at the commit list, a guy that, yeah, he had an Illinois offer, but hasn't been a guy the fan base has been clamoring about here in recent months. But, uh, you know, I think he might have a chance to play early. Bigger type guy, I don't even know if that's doing it justice. This is a big dude. I, I've seen some of these pictures in the workouts. I, I think he's closer to 6'3", okay. um, but he is he is getting up there 6'2", um, and he's well over 200 pounds. I think he's a guy that um, can play some nickel. Maybe even they could put him in that star position because I do think he's big enough, um, but I guess we'll just see where he's able to be utilized. But another guy that I think they can move around a little bit because I do think they have enough cornerbacks um, at least on the outside, um, where they don't need him this year. But I do think he's a guy that can play nickel or uh, or maybe even star. But I I think he's got enough talent to be able to contribute early. Independence, I wish uh, they were doing the, the last chance you this year because we would get a, a little check out on Jalen The thing Strack. is, though, if a guy's on that show a lot, you probably don't want him, right? Right, right. Uh, I, I know Delrick Abrams was on the show. We barely even saw him. Yeah. Um, which was probably a good thing. But, yeah, those, those guys tend to bring the drama. I think Rajon Wright um, is, is a guy that they're following this year, and I think he's he's one of the big guys, the spotlight guys. Maybe dodged a bullet there, then, right? <laughs> Any last thoughts on this recruiting class? Looking ahead to 2021 recruiting, three in-state commits already. Just kind of your thoughts on where this goes under Mel Tucker in terms of recruiting? Well, yeah, that's kind of where I have switched my focus. I feel like I've kind of been out of the 2020 recruiting class uh, since the early signing period in December. Obviously nice that they got those three guys. But 2021 um, will be a very interesting class. I know they're talking about it being a little bit short on numbers. I don't really buy into that. Um, I think that when you get guys that you like, you're going to find a way to bring them in. Um, so we'll see how that ends up. But I really like these in-state guys, and I like some of the other in-state guys that they're going after. Um, I think this is a really good 2021 Colorado class, just the in-state high school kids. I think there's a ton of kids. Um, even a guy like Miles Purchase uh, at Cherry Creek who got a Kansas offer today, um, he's starting to get Power 5 interest. I think you're going to have 10 to 15 guys with Power 5 interest um, in the state of Colorado. So it's a great opportunity for them to go after some um, some really good talent in state. They've already got three. I think they can get uh, maybe a shot at Terrence Ferguson, Gunnar Helm, one of the tight ends. Um, I think Arden Walker is a great opportunity. I think there's a lot of guys, at least in state. I haven't looked too much for 2021 out state because it seems like they're just offering everybody at this point. It's hard to zero in. But um, I think as far as Colorado goes, there's a ton of talent. Yeah, you're going to see quarterbacks start to come in in March and April, and that'll be a big storyline. Yeah. Obviously, with Rubley going to Kansas State, uh, oh, they didn't put all their eggs in that basket because it's so freaking early in the recruiting cycle. Mm-hmm. But 
that was a little bit of a surprise, and, and it came down to him thinking he can step right in at Kansas State and play from day one. And I'm certainly every kid has a right to make his own decision, uh, but that'll be interesting to follow. In terms, do you have a favorite 2021 quarterback so far that you've checked out? I know that's a tough. I, question, I wouldn't but. necessarily lock put this down in pen yet, but Ari Patu from mm-hmm. Folsom in California. I I see a little CJ Stroud in him. Yeah, that's the guy I compared him to. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a great comparison. A guy that dual threat didn't like have a monster junior season and part of that is cuz Ari had to split playing time with with a senior there. But he's a guy I could see going out to a combine and right now CU might be his best option and all of a sudden he, he kind of blows up a little bit. So, we'll see how that transpires, but uh it's too early, though, especially because they haven't really locked in on, on guys that are setting up visits yet. So I haven't done the deep dives in all the films of all those guys. Right, yeah, and that's when we'll find out who's really interested is who's willing to take a visit to see you this spring. And I, I think we'll probably see a, a couple at least. And I'm putting you in charge, not for real, but on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> in charge of the in-state recruiting rankings for 2021 and just give me your, your top two guys if you were in charge of that. Right now, you've got Rubley up there on 24-7 Sports, Terrence Ferguson, Trey Zoon, Sam Hart, Eric Olson, Braylon Nelson, Arden Walker, Caden Dudley, Braden Wood, Chase Penry, Ty Robinson, uh, all guys that, if you're a diehard CU fan, you've kind of heard those names. Yeah, um, well, I think they they have it right. I think Trey Zoon, um, maybe Jake Rubley. I definitely have Trey Zoon number one. Uh, okay. Rubley is kind of an interesting guy. I think he had a lot of interest early, but never really got the big time offers. Um, he's going to end up at K State. He's probably in the top three. Um, the guy I love is Arden Walker, and I think he's. It, it's almost blasphemous how low he's rated um, on 24 7 Sports, and I'm sure that'll end up changing pretty soon. But that's the guy that I, I think is going to be an elite player. I think that's a guy that can be. Um, an NFL draft pick one day. He's got that type of ability. He's so explosive, so powerful coming off the line. I do think, um, as far as a CU perspective, that he's more of a 4-3 defensive end than anything, and so I do worry about that. But I think we're going to start seeing a little bit more multiple fronts from them. That's where I would have my top three, though, right now, is Rubley, Zoom, probably Zoom number one, Rubley, and then Arden Walker. Terrence Ferguson, I'm, I'm just not convinced on yet. Okay. Um, I think... We've seen a lot of him as a weapon, as a wide receiver, but or not as a receiver. I don't know how well he is if they slide him inside because Eric Olson takes care of uh, most of the blocking as a tight end there. Awesome. Any final thoughts on recruiting before we talk hoops for a minute? No, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about Chase Penry because it's, okay. it's, it's an interesting topic on our message board. I, I've gotten to see him play a lot. I watched a lot of Cherry Creek this year, I, kind of had to there's a ton of talent yeah. on that team um and i i wasn't convinced i'll be honest especially after the cu camp when he got the offer we got a little bit of a look of him then um but i saw one game against thunder ridge in the playoffs where he just um he was on a completely different level than everybody else and and unguardable um the only way that they were able to stop him was pass interference they, and they got called for pass interference quite a bit um I that's when I really saw his route running and just how hard he is to be able to stop, and I think he will be um, dominant, especially if he ends up moving inside. I think when you look at receivers, there's a lot of different things that you need to look at. Um, 
in terms of what they'll be as a college player. I think he has hands in route running, and I think those are the two most important things that you can have in a receiver. Coaches and even recruiting sites worry about speed. Uh, I'm more worried about route running and being able to catch the football. All right. Are you and, and Jake staying out of trouble on that basketball beat? I see the content. It's, it's, well, it's been good content, but I don't know what's happening there at the CU Event Center when I'm not there. How do you define staying out of trouble? I, I don't know. Um, no, yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job. We tried to do it in a way to make uh, readers interested in wanting to read our, our stuff because I know basketball is um, not their favorite. I think most of our readers prefer football. There might be a few basketball guys. But, um, yeah, so we try to do it in a, in a little bit of a way that um, you – get a better understanding of this basketball team and kind of how it all comes together Tad Boyle's philosophy just we try to provide some more insight and I think we've been able to do that um, at least for, from some of the feedback that we've gotten so far and we've stayed out of trouble at least so far we'll see maybe Vegas might be a little bit different and you're not as angry as Tyler <laughs> um, well I try to keep it internal I, I love it when Tyler uh starts posting on those message sports because <laughs> it goes after some of those guys um i just think and the the biggest part to me is i i'm not convinced that most of our posters watch a lot of college basketball and i i think it's completely different with football because i do think everybody kind of sits down on saturday um and watches their fair dose of college football and all the good teams i don't think um enough people spend enough time watching college basketball around the country and I think if they were able to do that, they would have a better understanding of why this team is so inconsistent because I, I do think they're a good team, especially when you look at them across the country. Ten years in, is it fair at this point to judge Tad Boyle on what this team does in the first game of the NCAA tournament? Yeah, yeah. Because um, whether, I mean, you, whether you think that's fair or not, that's what's going to happen. It, yeah, it's. I mean, it's one game. It depends on the matchup and all that right. type of stuff. But but, uh, but they, that was the excuse other times too, right? Right. And at some point, those fringe basketball fans are going to keep having Tyler Ziskin freaking out on Twitter if they don't get out of the first round. And I mean, I'll be completely honest. I got to see you um, as a freshman three years ago. I haven't seen see you go to the NCAA tournament since I've been at school here. I, I actually did follow the basketball team quite a bit before I got to school here I followed it more than the football team but um, so I haven't seen that type of success I haven't seen them even play an NCAA tournament game so maybe I'm a little bit uh, delusional if they are able to accomplish that um, and maybe get bounced in the first round because you really never know what happens at the NCAA tournament I think that's uh, well that's why the games are so important right now right is to not get in that 8-9 matchup and Last time they were in there, went up against a hot pit team. And, and so you can kind of make your your fate on, on some level by taking care of business th- this time of year. Yeah, and, and ending up with a pretty high seed. But um, my issue is I don't think there's much of a difference between getting a five seed and getting a nine seed. I think you're, you're playing basically pretty much all the same teams, um, especially this year in college basketball where it just seems like there's so much parity um, all across the board. I do think if they're able to get a four seed and lose that first-round matchup, then I think we could judge Tad Boyle off of something but there's just so many different things that could happen um, we'll have to see what happens in the Pac-12 tournament if they're able to either win the Pac-12 outright in the regular season or win the Pac-12 tournament I think they will end up with a th- probably a three or a four seed and that will help them a ton especially trying to get out of the first round so what's the what's the key for this team going down down the stretch run I consistency I guess that's kind of stating the obvious there um, but it, 
to me it's kind of shooting uh, it seems like this team can shoot the ball well on on their good nights and obviously not shoot the ball very well on their bad nights and I think if they can find a way to get some consistency especially with their shooters like Shane Gatling Deshaun Schwartz even Lucas Seward um, I think that's what will be the difference maker for this team and they'll win a lot of games going forward but um We'll see if they can win on the road. That seems like the, the biggest problem, but not many teams can win on the road across college basketball. We've seen it uh, in in the Big Ten and in the Big East. Any conference that you look at, teams just really struggle winning on the road. And um, I think CU's already done a pretty good job of playing on the road, getting that win at ASU and getting that win at USC. Um, so we'll see if they can stay consistent. Uh, that's probably most important. And obviously getting at least top four in the Pac-12, it seems like they'll get that, get the first round by um and then hope we'll see if they can win it but i do think they have a really good shot as of now great stuff chase thanks so much for taking the time out appreciate tyler ziskin for joining us appreciate william gardner for joining us and of course the blake street tavern yeah, for nice hosting us crew. too bad we couldn't do the round table but uh, i wasn't invited to the round table anyway so i guess <laughs> it doesn't matter all right, well, spring ball is just around the corner. Obviously, hoop season is, is heated up here, so we will be back hopefully with more Buff Stampede podcast here in the future. It's been a little spotty in terms of our delivery of these shows, but uh, we appreciate you guys for tuning in.